Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to our season four Q&A. And we did Hello. it. Uh, you're going to notice that we all sound a little different today than normal because uh, <laughs> we're all recording from the comfort of our homes. We're doing a we're, we are bringing it right back to 2020, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've got questions that were submitted through the discord and through email. Uh, so we're just going to launch right into them. And this is a. Uh, Kind of a grab bag. Uh, we told people that you know we'd already done a Q and A for Urban Shadows. We found it. My brain <laughs> shut down, um, and so they could ask questions really about anything in season four or before. And uh, well, they took us up on it. So here we go. What's our order of asking questions? We're not sitting at a table, so oh. are we doing the same order we usually do at the table? Are we doing alphabetical? What are we doing? Are we doing by height? Oh, oh, you you would. <laughs> How do you all see each other in the window? I see me top left, then Megan, then Tass, then oh, you no. and Kelsey. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we will go the same order we go around the table then. Okay. So that's Rev, Tass, Tass Jake, Megan, Jake. me. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Has there ever been a time where a player's role or thought process destroyed a significant amount of planning? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> the the very clear one is uh, hearkening back to season two when TJ abandoned his family in the mines <laughs> <laughs> and left them for dead. Uh -huh. um, that really is the only one that destroyed like a significant amount of planning because that was something that structure wise, like I had to kind of beat that story out to figure out. <laughs> who TJ would meet and, you know, what was going on there with Benari and, uh, you know, his his quote unquote father being poisoned. Um, but there's not a whole lot of planning that I do if I can avoid it because it's just best to react in the moment. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then the other one is just obviously and we talked about this before, but just the ease with which you all got uh, a bunch of the trophies <laughs> in the beginning of, at the end of season four. <laughs> you got like what three or four of them in the course of six hours or something <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah i will always remember when we're talking to lana about the silver cross and i just had this moment of wait you've seen it well you could just take us there and rev space and <laughs> <laughs> just being like oh uh -huh. yep that'll and, work and <laughs> asking and, and asking kester about it and kester's like well if you go right now a really scary thing is there. And we were like, okay, Kester, so what should we do? And he's like, just wait a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you all have a, like a pizza party as you went? Yeah. <laughs> we did. 
we just hung out and ate pizza and waited till it was safe. Pizza is the great equalizer. If there's a problem, just order a pizza and wait it out. Oh man, we had a lot of pizza parties in Urban Shadows. Actually, that was yeah. Uh, yeah. that was only yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Are there any moments you look back to and go, yeah, I should have used luck or the equivalent? Um, I, I usually feel really good about those in the moment and stick with it. So I'm like, so far I look back and go this, like this fail is deserved or like makes the most sense as like what naturally would happen. Like there are even just some moments where I personally feel like using luck is just not genuine to the moment um so i might eat my hat on that you know by the end of the story and go oh here's some of those things that we missed that we didn't understand was going on uh and i wish i would have changed it then but for me personally i don't i don't think so no yeah i feel like uh usually the consequences of not using luck like the real consequence doesn't show its face for a while so I don't really know any better. Like, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't use luck on this thing. This problem happened. That's fair. And then like an arc and a half later, it's like, oh, all of this happened because of that role that I, I see. <laughs> um, but I definitely like if I use luck, I forget like immediately that I used <laughs> luck. It's just like the things that have happened on the show. I don't remember if they were because of luck or because I didn't use luck. They're just the things that have happened. Uh, right. And I, I wouldn't change the narrative as it is. So yeah. I don't think I'd make any changes. I always think too, like I fail so often that there's a lot of times where I'm like, does this make sense? Or am I okay with accepting the ramifications of failing this? And oftentimes it's gotta be, yeah. <laughs> there's simply <laughs> not enough luck. <laughs> um, I haven't been playing in Monster of the Week long enough to really have an opportunity where I probably would have used luck. Also, the luck ramification for the seer is exciting but terrifying. And so it, I would think I would think very carefully about ever using it because it's like the ramification for that is like, yeah, you avoid this bad thing that happens, but it happens to someone else that you love. So um, <laughs> but that being said, I can think of an opportunity where I would have used a kind of like luck equivalent and didn't and out of character. I'm glad that I didn't because things worked out really well. But in the moment, like Kim, the character really wanted to. And that was uh, back in the Halloween episode. And it was just like that very final moment when I was trying to like find that magical item and like I ran out of time like seconds before I was about to pull and like I was a breath away from knocking the tower over and sacrificing myself if it meant saving Strom. And the only reason why that didn't happen was because like the timer hit zero right before I pushed and like out of character that is a good decision that that didn't happen because I probably I, I may have accidentally written myself out of being on the show uh, <laughs> uh, and and also Strom ended up not actually being dead so like uh, across the board it's good that I didn't do that but like in the moment thinking about my character and her priorities that was a sacrifice that I was not only willing to make I was planning to make I just ran out of time to do it uh, okay extremely long question um, uh, and it starts as apologies for the fact that this will be a lot of questions and they all kind of hinge <laughs> on my understanding of what Ferguson said being correct. 
I had a little trouble understanding what Ferguson was saying in the last episode, but it seems like now time on one side of the portal will sync up with time on the other side. Is that correct? What prompted this change? Does it have to do with the players now going through as themselves rather than sending their consciousness through to take over other bodies? It seems like this kind of negates the advantage they have with that scroll that they could toss through to make it so that no time passed on their side when they came back. Is the time on the two worlds only synced up while the portal is open? Like, I would assume that if the crew went back to the sprawl, a huge amount of time would have still passed in that world. Then I'm guessing time would be synced up while they went back into the world, and once the portal was closed, time in the sprawl would once more advance super quickly. Is that correct? So did you get all of that, Red? <laughs> I think so. So... <laughs> Great, explain yes, it to me, please. Yes, almost, yes. no. <laughs> so... Yes, that is correct, that uh, when the portal is open, time sings up on both sides. What prompted the change is exactly what was said in the question, that now instead of sending your consciousness through, you're sending, you're just going through. And part of that was, and actually I think there's a question about this a little bit later, um, but it's kind of about the evolution of how you all travel to other worlds, because it's been different in every world that you've gone to. Um, so... Yeah, they no longer have the benefit of being able to have no time pass here, but they now have the benefit of one, knowing how they're going to go through, if they're going to like forcibly take over somebody's body, if they're going to be jammed inside of a consciousness with another person, if they're going to animate a corpse, and they have a more functional control over the playbook they become because, you know, as was described, they kind of choose the form. Um, so that was the prompt um, for why that change was made and why you know, to the team working on it for them, it seemed like that was a good trade-off. Um, and then, yes, the thing about the sprawl is absolutely right. The time sink would be there when the portal is open, when people are in it, when it closes, everything goes back to normal and time continues to rush through over at the sprawl. I think that was all of it. I think, yeah, I think yeah, we yeah, nailed it. Good. <laughs> okay, for everyone, but especially for Rev, where do you get inspiration for Monsters and Mysteries? Not Minsteries. <laughs> Monsters and Minstries. Monsters and Minstries. <laughs> oh boy, okay. Monsters and Ministries. That's the new uh, Monsters spin-off that takes place in London. It's that's the the new Lasers and Feelings hack. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get inspiration for Monsters and Mysteries? Do you have any recommendations for books, TV shows, movies, etc. to get ideas for our own Monster of the Week games? That's that's an awesome question. It is. Um, the big thing for me that I do is I usually pick the place that I want to have a mystery first, and then I will do a Google search on like local urban myths of that area. Yeah. yeah. Like definitely looking up sort of like what what cryptids or like urban legends or around this area. Uh, yeah. I will say, though, because I've been uh, like a lot of people uh, in the last two years, I've been watching a lot of like television i've been binge watching a ton of tv uh and i will occasionally run into shows where like i was i was watching gravity falls and i was like these are monster of the week episodes uh i was just watching <laughs> yeah. wellington paranormal and i'm like this is also monster of the week <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> I don't think i've ever used any like direct inspiration from like i i don't think i've ever completely just like whole whole cloth like ripped a mystery from like an episode of a tv show but like you could, or they're good jumping off points. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I, mine is similar, but like, I, 
am not like necessarily looking for that connection or like something that like, oh, this feels like monster of the week. My brain takes like I I just take something I like and make it creepy. Like I was literally for one of the one shots I was watching speed speed happened to be on <laughs> and in my head i went oh man what if this bus was trying to eat these guys what if this bus like, was made of meat yeah you know just so take something you like and make it gross and <laughs> you have your monster or you know even if it's already something that's like creepy or gross or whatever make it grosser like just <laughs> take the things you like make them creepy and and run with it um i definitely on occasion, just whole cloth steal a plot from something. Um, <laughs> of the most notable ones I can think of, of for those, though, are like the old, like mystery mysteries in Pathfinder for further investigation. Mm. That I'd be like, I read this Agatha Christie book. I'm going to put it in this setting now. Hey, have you read it? No. Hey. Yeah, perfect. No one read this book. <laughs> there were so many times I was like, have either of you guys read this or have either of you guys watched this? And they're like, no. I'm like, good, yeah. don't. Um, <laughs> A lot of the time, my ideas for like Monster of the Week mysteries now come from I like like a just a weird conversational riff that I'll get into with somebody. Like uh, Tass, what's the what was the street that we drove by when we were lost? Oh, do you remember man. the name of it? I was uh, Copeland. I was just thinking Copeland. about this the other day. Copeland Avenue. We just like we were lost somewhere near where we live but we had I'd like taken a road that I thought went through somewhere and it didn't and we like passed a road called Copeland Avenue and we were just riffing on like being lost and never getting home and we started well, talking about like well, it, it, part of that that what creeped us out that made us go what was we had we like threw the GPS on or something just to kind of see what the quickest route was and it was this was like a normal road that connected to other roads. We were passing lots of these, but the thing came up and said, "Do not turn onto Copeland Avenue." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're and like, so, "Fucking why? why? <laughs> yeah, what's what's down there?" And we were just like, ta- like just pitching each other a scenario where like we go down, we go into this town, and you're like are asking for directions, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah," and you go here and you turn here. Just don't go down Copeland Avenue. And it's like, why not? And they're like, oh, just don't do it. And like, just don't do it. This like small town terrifying vibe. And lots of the things I come up with spring from stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Escape from Margaritaville came from just somebody accidentally calling escape to Margaritaville, escape from Margaritaville. And I was like, that's an arc. Um, half, Half of my stuff comes from just those kind of dumb jokes. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I can't say how many times like we're just hanging out and like just back and forth riffing off of some nonsense and then it's like that's a monster of the week mystery (laughs) and then you just make it into um i also follow a lot of like weird like anomaly facebook pages or like tiktok accounts where it's just like this is a weird setting and i'm like okay how can i make this into a how can i make this into a mystery because i like the feeling i'm getting from watching this how do i put this into a setting Mm. for a game there was also uh a hold two where me and kim talked about what was that website kim that just like generates creepy hooks oh donjon yeah i think it was one of the one of the donjon prompts that like yeah it you can just select like tell give me something weird and it'll just spit out like 10 random spooky settings or spooky scenarios so if you're if you're like Oh, I need to run a game and I didn't know about it until just now. I I really need help coming up with something. Like there are tools online that'll just yeah. feed you stuff and they're awesome. 
Nice. Yeah, or even like the Reddit page that's the one sentence horror stories. Oh yeah, that's oh, a good yeah. one. That's that's where the uh, tooth fairy mystery came from. Nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. How have things been different with four PCs instead of three? Uh, for me, this has been just it's such a slight difference, but it just I feel like it gives us all a little bit more leeway to play. Like you know, there's just more people to interact with on a basic level, whether it's problem solving or whatever, more opportunity to uh, split up into small groups if we need to. We've seen that much, much more when we've never really did that. You know, it used to just be TJ running off by himself and us having to deal with it. And now <laughs> it's like organized. <laughs> um, so yeah, just that that kind of basic thing is what sticks out in my head of of just that more opportunity to problem solve. Yeah, I, the only real thing that I can think of is when it was three players, no matter what three players or two players, I could kind of get a sense by the conversation of where they were starting to move. And now there's always the chance that like as three people, whoever those three are, are having a conversation <laughs> and they're going across a crosswalk, I'm following because that's where I think they're going to go. And then as the semi of the fourth person just clips me in the crosswalk <laughs> and, and takes it a completely different direction. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's go that way. And so, like, my my thoughts all kind of scramble and I have to reshuffle them. There's a, it, there's like a there's some strong difference, I feel like, between like three players or four and three and five where there there's this weird difference of like a shared how do I want to say this? O almost like a, a hive mind versus a collective voice chat. Like the fewer people, the more they kind of become real homogenous and, and, and get on the same wavelength. But with more people, they're able to change each other's frequencies. And so it's harder to kind of track where I think it's going to go, which is fun. I Somebody's think... always the Charlie wild card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think with with three people... It feels like you have to be a part of every conversation. Like, you can't always just kind of, like, hang out and listen to the other two people talk what you think. But with three other people, like, theorizing, it's easier to take a step back and see the bigger picture. Which I think is why it's easier to throw out alternative viewpoints based on what's mm. being said like you're able to see more when other people are talking for me at yeah. least yeah and when there's when there's three other people talking that's plenty of cover for me to just sit back and spin my dumb bullshit ideas and like really <laughs> really iron them out and then just throw them in right at the end like nobody's gonna notice that i'm not talking and i'm thinking of dumb shit to do until right there at the end uh all right so how does everyone keep track of all the plot threads and details throughout the world? Oh, Man. Uh, with Megan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the notebook queens. Yes. <laughs> you, you know me, mind like a steel trap, this guy. <laughs> it's really a, a joint effort, I think, me and Kim, because yeah. <laughs> she, she has access to like the the computer while she's recording and so she can look up transcripts and get like this is what was said at this time my notes are much more difficult to find quotes but i try to keep track of roles so it's easier to go back and say oh how many of this point should i have left or what what ramification did this come from oh this role was failed and that's what happened so yeah 
I I would say I think I think M- Megan is the best resource for trying to figure out like what happened in like recent episodes or like what roles people were doing or like what holds people were spending. If it is a kind of like lore or a like when was the last time we saw this NPC mm-hmm. or like what all do we know about like X faction from season two? That's when I really shine, and that is uh, <laughs> because uh, because I write the transcript, so I have I have a whole I have like the the like every episode for the last four seasons lives on my computer in right. some respect. So yeah. it's a I'm able and I and I and I record from my laptop, so I am the most well equipped to kind of find that in the moment. And I have listened to every episode of the Crit Show once. And I don't remember most of it. So <laughs> even if it's like we're recording and it's something that I did or I was a part of and I can't count how many times we're recording and I have to have a refresher of what happened or something. And I'm just like, I don't I've never listened to the show. What is this? Like, where, where are we? <laughs> I have no we? I don't remember that at all. Megan, so. do you feel like, um, you know, talking about that specific line, do you feel like you remember things from before you were on better than the stuff that has happened since you've been on no i think (laughs) any of it no there's there's some arcs that i remember very clearly and then there's just some parts of time that i just don't remember details about and i don't know what the difference is but maybe it was like a i know i was listening um to some episodes maybe a little faster speed and i know that i definitely realized i don't retain as much information if i listen to something faster um or maybe just the things that were going on in my life at the time that i listened to them but uh i definitely need to do another listen through to refresh myself it's a good show it's worth listening to yeah. Yeah. it's pretty it's good. fun yeah we're allowed to listen to this <laughs> encouraged oh i've lived through it i've i've like never in my life been much of a note taker like even in school i don't know i don't know why i just have never really taken notes but especially when we're recording i'm like in the moment and definitely not taking notes so my notebook is very sparse and somehow it seems to be like 100 percent the shit that was not actually relevant and never came up again. Like <laughs> the things that are in my notebook, like I hear like a name or like a place or, you know, something that I'm like, that's going to be important later. And I write that down. And then that thing never, it wasn't, it wasn't relevant at all. It was just like, Rev needed to give an answer to this question. So here it is. <laughs> that's but. exactly how my notes are. Like it's, they're so sparse and it's always something that, is like oh that's gonna be important and is never mentioned again (laughs) (laughs) i just can't do it like my tunnel vision is way too bad like i can't listen to myself say those words again in my head as i'm writing them down and understand anything else happening at the same time it is just impossible for me yeah i'm i'm not great at taking notes in the moment um i feel like whenever we begin a season i like i like I'm I like bust out my notebook and I'm like, I'm going to take notes this season and it's going to be great. Uh, And we we have we have not we've recorded a few episodes of season five and my notes thus far are impeccable. But let's see if it continues. Uh, Next question. How do you pick which PBTA fits with the story? Uh, It's actually kind of the other way around. Um, I (laughs) I I pick the system first 
And I pick the system based off of what feels like it will be kind of a fun change from what we've just experienced. Um, and then I, I form, like, I know the beats that need to happen. Like, oh, they got to go to this world in X, Y, Z, but that can happen in any world. It's just the things that you're going to encounter will be different based off of the system and how you encounter them, whether it's, um, you know, magical or scientific or whatever. Yeah. It's nice to just be able to step back and go, what variation do we want to present? And that, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. PBTA games are just so good for that of like, here's the idea I want to get across. Now what, what's the skin for that? Yeah. Like, it was just, like, just great. Okay. Urban fantasy is where we started. Okay. Now let's do fantasy. Cause that's like the common trope. Well, we went kind of in old time. We will now let's go to the future. That makes sense. Oh, and now let's go to the world they're familiar with, but it's like evil and corrupted. Like it's just really, it's just kind of about that flow more than the game. Um, so, but I, I then try to find a game that fits that, that feel. I feel like though, there is also an element of like, what's a game none of us would have fun playing though. <laughs> like let's not oh, do that's that true. one. Like yeah, there, that's, there yeah, are definitely ones where like, oh, none of us know this genre or have any love for it. We would not do this justice. We shouldn't go here. Yeah. Was the choice of which alternate world to visit first made more in character or out of character? Either way, was it made in the moment during gameplay or ahead of time? I think it was made out of character. It was made out of character. Yeah, I'm not sure if we can answer this one. <laughs> yeah. Part of it out of character. Does anyone feel strongly about which of these three artifacts to go to their world first? And everyone's like, no. I was like, okay, then I'm here's what I would like to do. And um, so, I, yeah. I think it, it made sense going to the world that we did because that was one that we had like all of the information for. Yeah. So yeah. start starting with one that we thought was like one of the stronger leads. Yeah. Uh, does Coin Rev still wear the wizard hat after this time and adventures? That's a that keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> no, I think he does, but it's like a much smaller one. It's, <laughs> it's not, he's got like it's like tiny. a like a yarmulke. It's no, a travel. Yeah. It's a tactical, tactical wizard, it's a wizard hat. Yes, a tactical wizard hat. Like, you like a those, sleeping cap. <laughs> you ever see those ones at cons? Because um, like mine's the big like floppy leather one, but they have ones that are smaller that are made out of felt that kind of come to a, a smaller point and stuff. You, I imagine something a little sleeker. You look that like one of the girls from Bo Batten and, and Harry Potter. You just got yeah. the tiny little hat. <laughs> I was thinking even smaller, like when, when women put like the tiny top hats on the side of a bandana. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even better. You were trying to find like a hat, kind of like what you were thinking the last time we were at Gen Con. I was. So if I anyone's got it. like a lead on like on like a smaller scale wizard hat situation, yes. please. I, uh, I need a wizard situation. hat that's l that's like for less formal occasions. Yeah, <laughs> something that says SWAT Gandalf. Yes, <laughs> just just yes. your casual everyday wizard hat. Yeah, I can't be breaking out the the gray leather one in all weather. <laughs> Uh, what does Landara look like in the team's world? That's, you know, that's funny because I had the thought after we recorded that it never came up. Um, she looks, she looks human, except she's very, very gray skinned. It, like you would think she might be sick, but she doesn't mm. like look like a, an undead. Um, she's just very, uh, very, very fleshy. That's not right. Oh, no. <laughs> she has the appropriate amount of flesh. In the appropriate places. Okay. It's just very, very gray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh no! Did that make it better? Flesh in the appropriate amount of places. I, I, would, <laughs> I would love to just move on to the next one. <laughs> um, is there any cool nugget that didn't get discovered in the future that you can share? We talked about this just uh, uh, a little bit, but I think you know what Baba Yaga's place was like. Um, it was kind of a no-fly zone and a very dangerous place. That's not it's just something you all didn't get to see. And I think that I can safely say now that with what you all learned at the end of season four about what is going on with Nash, that there was a very fine balance of, oh, you know Nash is coming. Do you stay around or do you leave? Because knowing what you know now about what has happened to him, there was stuff you could have learned about how he's different now, but that would have come with the danger of, you know, being there when he arrived. Um, yeah. I think you misunderstood the question. It's asking about cool nuggets. Any, oh, like, like what, what are like chicken spicy nuggets? nuggets? Like was, in there, the was there a Wendy's in the future still? <laughs> Everything is flash frozen for some reason. Oh. Nuggets are crunchy. Uh, I could be down with a crunchy nugget. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Well, they're made out of people as well. Well, it's people nuggets. It's like when you like freeze chocolate chip cookies. Don't talk about my people nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Next question it is. <laughs> uh, with all of the trips to different universes, how do you avoid making the multiverse feel small while still showing other versions of familiar characters? Uh, boy, that is that is the struggle. Um because it's fun to encounter things that we're familiar with, but it can't become all that. And so for me, it's about making myself be reined in and not making as many connections as I want. And so knowing that like, yeah, 70% of this has to be new people, new places, new things, as opposed to letting more things be connected. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a great answer, but it's the one I've got. No, but no, that makes sense. There's a, a point where, you know, you have to realize these worlds are fully realized, or at least, you know, should feel that way. So it can't all just be reskins of the people we know, or else yeah. it, that would feel very small. Yeah. And not reusing people. Right. Um, and that, I mean, that really is just, that's not so much a mechanic of the game as much of kind of a storytelling mechanic. But if we've seen an alternate version of Ori, then you're probably not going to see an alternate version of Ori in the next season. It's going to be someone that we haven't heard from in a while because that's, I think, I think that's the way that a good enjoyable callback works. Yeah. Otherwise it also gets difficult to remember who's who or what versions yeah. of personalities these people have in different worlds. Yeah. I feel like lore wise, you know, I don't, I don't know if this was intended, but it would make sense in my head that all of the worlds we're going to are, in one way or another connected. So it makes sense that there would be connections between them. Like if we just punched a, a random number into the universe jumper, we might not encounter literally anything we've ever seen or heard of before. But all of these places are have been touched by similar hands. So it makes sense that there would be common elements in them. Yeah. How much has the story changed since you initially envisioned it in the first couple story arcs? <laughs> Oh, not Boy. at all. This no, is exactly... We're, we're right on track. <laughs> right right on track. Was always planning on introducing Megan. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I, I, I've said this before in, in Q&As and stuff. What I had in mind 
and this is you know the best piece of advice for any game master like what you have in mind versus what your players are going to come up with in the moment will never be as good or interesting because it's just you bouncing ideas off of yourself until you put it on the table in front of the other players and they grab details that maybe didn't seem as important to you and run with them and you start to realize what's important to to them and their stories it's yeah i i could not in my wildest dreams sit down and write by myself the story that we have written together right so right i mean i think that's such a big thing i mean it's there's so many just different types of games and obviously we're leaning into the types of games where that is not just possible but like that's the point kind mm. of you know pbta is just so much for that it it is the fuck around and find out <laughs> ttrpg where you know a lot of these games where you have adventure paths and stuff like it's a little more on the rails but um it, it's yeah i i just agree like um i won't say too much about this but an example a certain someone uh sat down with me to record a certain series of about four one-on-one -on -one episodes. Uh, but we only got one because the certain person zagged so hard that ah. I went, well, we, I need a week. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, that shit like that's amazing where you go, I would never have thought of this or gone down this path. And I'm so much happier that yeah. that is the path we're on, you know? And, to see those moments, to experience those moments as a GM, to experience those moments as uh, the player and realizing, oh, okay, I I didn't realize, you know, just this one comment or suggestion or whatever would, would cause this. It's so much fun. Yeah, I think those are some of my favorite moments of, like, all the shows we've done where we've been playing, a decision is made, and whoever the game master is goes, we have to stop here because I have to think about this. Like, that's such a, a cool feeling because you know that you've collectively just kind of changed the world and they don't want to force their way through it. They want to take some time to figure out how that spider webs out. Yeah, that's one of the things that I like doing the most when I sit down with players for the first time when I'm GMing, whether it's like at a convention or we're starting a longer game. But to kind of reiterate, like, this is a collaborative world building game. Like, I've got some ideas, but we are here to build this world together. It's really rewarding to see that play out. For the players, what was the most fun piece of playing the future and time traveling in general? I'm trying to work through this. We're, go on a journey with me here. Um, like, okay. Pass. Okay. It's <laughs> I'm in. I'll go anywhere with you, Tess. Oh. Well, it's like, it, it's weird to think, of it, uh, think about it as like the most fun part of this, but it really was like so intriguing every moment of being in the future to look at the setting and go holy shit now we know what happens when we lose like the repercussions of it how our actions or lack of actions manifest was such a cool thought that i hadn't like i understood the the assignment you know like we're, we're going in this is what it's going to look like okay like on a surface level, it's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. But then when we're walking around in it, it hit really hard as we're playing. And I felt equally more cautious and more like chaotic in, you know, how we're going to deal with this because there's got to be a level of caution 
to make sure we do this right to not let it happen. And there also has to be a level of chaos because we have to hit this as hard and as fast as we can to to make it work. So that just whole feeling was really cool. It was such a, a cool thing that I never would have thought, like, my mind is going to work like this when we're walking around in this world. And I, I loved that. I loved learning every new thing and every new bit and every new faction and just every new major repercussion of what us simply not being there would do. Uh, I found it really fun to just know that every interaction we had in every place that we went, being in the future, we couldn't make any assumptions about how things worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we don't fully understand, you know, the hierarchies, even though we had, you know, layouts of the hierarchies. But we didn't ha- we didn't know what it would be like to, like, interact with somebody, like, one-on-one. And it's like, yeah, we knew that if we were going to meet up with a contact we had, they would see us as their contact. But it was still like a, you're very aware that you are not actually that person, even though for all intents and purposes you are. Um, Out of character, my favorite thing about uh, this arc in the future was just seeing the gang like interact with NPCs that they that they knew in the past like especially the reveal of Selena I think was probably like one of my favorite things about um about the future arc that was so good um but I also just like it, it's kind of a difficult question for me to answer because this was like when I got introduced. So like for me, there wasn't really like anything significant about kind of playing in the future. But I, I liked being the the like guide of that arc. Like I, I liked being the person who sort of knew how things worked and kind of being the sort of like baseline so that everyone else could kind of react off of that. Like for my character, like this is like this is her life and this is her like kind of everyday situation and she is she is used to this world you know she she wants to change it but this is also like what she grew up in and so it was nice sort of being that sort of neutral point for everyone else to kind of like bounce off of I guess yeah that that was like an interesting experience to have moments where we're like hey um we should be concerned. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Run, you know, or wh- whatever that situation was. It was nice mm-hmm. to get that baseline in real time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, What was the process for picking playbooks slash creating characters starting at season two? I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but um, the thing that was really fun about them creating characters for season two was they created those characters thinking that the story was going to start off with them playing as those characters in this other world. And so they made these characters as a cohesive group. They came up with backstories. They came up with all the connections. And so then for them discovering that they were inside of the corpses of those people was (laughs) revealed for the players in the moment. Um, Yeah, because it was, it was like, Okay, I want people to go. To, I want them to be able to go to another world, and I like this idea that they're like jumping into bodies like Quantum Leap. But I also don't want them like taking over someone's body and like putting their life at risk. And so, what is that? How do I get that balance of you know putting them into other precarious situations without a mechanic of the game having to be putting someone we don't know in danger? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why you get this evolution of. At first, they are 
inside of people who have already died and they actually end up being able to help bring one of them back. And then at the beginning of season three, they're inside of clone bodies. So those people are still out there active. They're not, you know, they might be messing up that person's reputation, but they're not doing anything that could, you know, really permanently get that person in trouble. Um, but it does cause a conflict for them. Um, and then kind of jumped backwards, but the cracked mirror, it was picking points of, okay, here's where things went wrong. So here's the playbook I think that you would have. Do you agree with this story? And then knowing that they're going to have that confrontation, those conversations with themselves. Um, so yeah, it was just trying to find a different ways to integrate into the story that they were in other bodies without just that issue of like, hey, I'm in your body now and I'm doing whatever I want and you get to deal with the ramifications of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as like picking the playbooks, like depending on, you know, like Cracked Mirror, that was like a Rev pitching what he thought the scenario would be like. Like he kind of pitched us the playbooks on that one. Whereas with some of the other ones, we just kind of pick like, oh, this would be an interesting thing to play. And I think it would make sense to be this person in this world. I feel like we all have the desire to like cover ground that hasn't been covered before. So, you know, like I went from like a paladin to a bard because there hadn't been a bard. And then what whatever game system we go into, I feel like we all pretty much are like, oh, what's a thing I haven't done yet? Or like, what's a thing that none of us have done yet? What's What's a mm. cool new archetype we can feature here? Rev, can you give a comprehensive overview of the meaning of the Funhouse arc visions <laughs> now that we're so many seasons in? Yes, I can. But it's I'm going to have to go through the transcript and like break it down so I will not make everybody sit through that. Um, but I can say that everything they saw in the funhouse has now come to pass. Mm. Um, but I will if I do not get a chance to sit down and record that and drop it in here, uh, I will put it like at the end of an episode shortly in the future. Nice. All right, well, let's all nice. just let's all just give it like a second for him to drop that in and then pretend mm-hmm. like we all heard it all. OK, ready? <laughs> okay. One, Man. two, three. Man, Whoa, that was wow. that was really cool. That's messed right? so uh, thorough. How? You planned all that in advance. Incredible. Yeah, I, I love right? the threads and how yeah. you connected them. Thanks. Fun tooth stuff, House. you know. Yeah. Tooth, tooth stuff. stuffing spiders. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If the group hadn't released Koshe, was there a chance of Nash becoming the new vessel of death? No. <laughs> that I mean, if you want to talk about where did the story change, <laughs> that Oops. was one of those moments where I went, I have to rethink the story because it's not the same anymore. Like what Nash was trying to do is kind of irrelevant from that point. Um, you know, well, I'm, that's kind of getting into Nash being taken over by death, but the release of death changed the world in a big way. Um and so, no, there there was not, you know, this was not the end game originally, um, you know, figuring out how to deal with death because death wasn't a piece on the game board. So <laughs> I have a question about uh, Urban Shadows and you you cannot answer this, but yeah. you can also answer this because this world doesn't exist anymore. Was Nash the vessel for death in Urban Shadows still? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I said like it was kind of it would have been really dangerous, but you might have learned something about what death once versus what nash wants when he arrived for his kind of yearly visit yeah because like that was like that was like a big mystery for us in terms of like we we knew that like nash was the devourer or like or like megan's 
grandpa was the yeah. devourer uh, and then we were so confused as to like why would he ever like give that to Aiden and like yeah. what is the situation there is he just nothing and it's like no he was this thing we just didn't we didn't know that part yet yeah oh that's awful to think about like you could have figured out what death wants <laughs> 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 and we would have learned it right before we die yeah. so <laughs> i'm okay with the weight on that one. what are your thoughts on the seer playbook now that you've seen it in action parentheses note to rev i'll have a list of questions for you later a couple of us want to use it in the org i want to see it a little bit more you know i i sent it to michael sands and his only comment was he thought it needed another move and i ultimately didn't add one just because i didn't find one yet that felt right. Um, you know, when I first started making the playbook, I was trying to make it specifically for Kim. And I and, simply wasn't inspiring enough. Well, <laughs> and it was, you know, she wanted uh, she wanted a very particular feel to it. And I realized, like, no, I have to make this playbook independent of a specific character and make it for an archetype for it to work. Um, so there, there is a move still, I think, that'll be added. I don't know what it is, but laser eye <laughs> ah yes there it is the Got old it. laser eye yes um and then there's been some some uh discourse in the discord about uh people being kind of thrown off that it doesn't match the math of old playbooks um but it does match the math of new playbooks so i don't know if i'll i'll remedy that i i kind of think it's important that the uh the seer has a, a three weird um so yeah i think that it pretty closely like resembles what both I out of character want to play as in Monster of the Week and also what I think like Kim the person would be good at in that setting. Like it's a very it's a very like investigator playbook in terms yeah. of like, you know, so it's it it's very good in terms of like investigating mysteries or finding like lore about stuff. And it's a very like support class playbook yeah. i would say or at least that's how i've been trying to use a lot of those moves is like giving other people advantage um something that i am aware of when we've been in monster of the week is how squishy i am compared to everyone else uh because the boys have armor and megan has a way of getting armor fairly consistently and i am the only one who who doesn't and i thought very seriously about taking the seer move which lets me like every time you take harm you suffer one less harm kind of similar to the monstrous's immortal move i thought about getting that at the end of the season because i was like ooh, like everyone else can like really take hits and like i very much can't and then i was like but you know not taking it like that seems realistic in terms of like actual me probably would not be a badass in this situation and so like it is it, it is fun sort of like being vulnerable in that mm. particular instance and trying to think of like all right well when we are in combat what are other things that i can do that are still helpful that are not like directly putting myself in danger because i can't take hits the way everyone else can right i think that's a good use of that idea of just if you're going to take harm, you take less as opposed to some kind of armor, mm -hmm. because it seems really nonsensical for someone that can see the future to wear armor. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you have no confidence in yourself, but that idea of you just take less because you sort of saw it coming and can adjust yeah. is is solid. So that, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. My, my favorite thing. And I think the thing that I learned most clearly when making this playbook is because they are playbooks about archetypes. 
so it became much easier to build once I went through popular media and picked like six different people from popular media who could see the future and tried to make sure that all of them could be built using this playbook as opposed to just focusing on like one particular seer. Nice. Tell us about the evolution of Damien's backstory from an Adam Sandler reference to the son of the original Chosen. I, I, I can't. Um, <laughs> I, I simply don't know how. The ultimate we glow We simply up. latched onto that NPC and yeah. did not let go. <laughs> um, you know, because we've talked about this before that Damien as a speed demon was just something funny and fun to do at a live show. And as always happens, when even the goofiest of NPCs is introduced, the cast starts talking with them, they get humanized, and they become important. And we and the audience pack bond with them. And so then it start. I, I knew that there was this idea of, you know, the one thing that I always knew when we first started the game was that somebody was the chosen. And that just none of them knew it yet, but someone eventually would become that because a previous chosen had had done something to like help it along. And so then once I knew that like, oh, Damien's here and he's a demon, he works on contracts. Okay, well, he could have done jobs for, for Lana and he could have done X, Y, and Z. So then it just became about kind of dropping in things and filling him in in spots and then... Once, you know, again, because this part of the story didn't exist, but the the element of, oh, how did they deal with death the first time? You know, it, it that on some level was kind of just part of that initial conversation of like, oh, yeah, there were there were 10 of us and we didn't all survive was something that, you know, Baba Yaga said. And then later I'm like, OK, what does that mean? Now this has to be reality. And you know, on the other side, we had woven this narrative that Damien, he blamed himself for the loss of his mother and that he was working so hard to constantly get this thing from Sturm and she wouldn't give it up and she wouldn't give it up and to the point where she put a magical seal on it. And I went, okay, well, we've just learned that Sturm was the original. And so then it was just kind of dominoes falling into place. I was like, okay, I think Sturm is actually protecting him from something because he and Damien's mom were like best friends. So that means that she was X and now Damien. Okay. This all makes sense. It was one of those things where I just kept using him when it made sense. And then all of a sudden things just kind of lined up in a way that they tend to do sometimes when you're playing a game. <laughs> Isn't that so satisfying? Yeah. I'm glad that we latched on to Damien, but that does mean that we didn't latch on to one of my other favorite characters from that same live show, which is Dave, the man who sounds like an ambulance siren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, certainly he's out there. He's out oh, there somewhere. Oh, I, I, like, I, there are still questions about what Dave is up to to this day. For all five, what was your favorite moment this season? I don't know. Probably something cool I did. <laughs> revving that motorcycle through that casino <laughs> that was pretty cool that that was fun that whole uh operation i think was my favorite overall operation just as far as us all like doing something dope and accomplishing cool shit at the same time you finally got your heist you yeah. did big messy nasty heist <laughs> um my favorite moment i had a lot but the one that immediately came to mind was when we were back in Monster of the Week and 
I was talking to their strom and that was such like I that conversation was like so important to me like I had I I had like written it all out I was so nervous about it going so well I had like I was so I just like I was this ball of anxiety and when Rev described the the scarab beetle going over to Strom and that moment when their Strom became my Strom and we ended the episode right then like it it, it ended when Strom recognized me and so you all did not you, the listeners, did not hear me immediately burst into tears when that <laughs> happened because I was so I was so emotional and like so like like relieved and happy that that happened. So yeah, uh, I also want to nominate. It's always about the team moves for me. Of course it is because I'm a cartoon. Um, but <laughs> I want to nominate uh, snatching Wallace up in the chopper um, oh. as. <laughs> Yep. One of the, the coolest collective operations we've pulled off. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, another really good team move was like how kind of flawlessly we got the knife from Aiden. Like the, the way that that all <laughs> yeah. kind of went off without a hitch, so to speak, in terms of like Jake bamfing through the portal and then like mm. nuking the place. Like, oh, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite thing that I got to participate in was uh, talking to Selena and completely disarming Rev, which, yeah. which is always yeah. like that has happened several times in different things we've played. And it's satisfying every time when I talk to a person a certain way and Rev's like, I can see on his face, like, hold on a second. That's fine. <laughs> like that <laughs> This person's response yeah. is not appropriate I, now. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect this to go this way, but it sure can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I my I think my favorite moment is actually the moment where Kim and Megan and Tass in game learn what Jake as Wallace has accomplished while they were not in the recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that moment is just so is so good of you all being like, Wait, what? You, you have already had Aiden? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I really enjoy learning in character what somebody did in a solo session yeah that it, it just it's so much fun to not have any idea out of character so that i can completely respond authentically in character jake is such a efficient solo player <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pro, pro gamer i'll tell you what my least our, favorite our part <laughs> my least favorite part of the season is every time you guys make me talk to me <laughs> I think my other favorite moment was um, everybody's horror when I was describing to Jake the multiple blank faced men ushering him into the car and mm. then the car transforming and driving away with him inside. Like, yep. everybody was just like, no. <laughs> uh, also, I really I loved it when. uh strom tower fell like that moment of like finishing like dread was so much fun to play and like that moment of just finishing it and like hearing the description of like shit like we did it but there's there's a new wave of shit to deal with now was so cool like it was so world opening that i really yeah. i really enjoyed that um one a, a small a small moment that lives rent free in my head is uh, Megan 
opening a fridge full of orange juice and apple juice and just going, I don't like orange juice. <laughs> like everybody and Rev and the character. Like, why did you buy it? And I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> you sons of bitches. I'm trying to be nice and give away juice and you're all giving me shit for it. I wish we could have seen Kit's thought process in terms of being like, but Fiona always loved orange juice. <laughs> or just like, like reality being rewritten in his brain. Like he's like, yeah. Duh, you're right. Why is that in there? You don't drink orange juice. Have we seen any hints of either the other lead the guys didn't follow up from the sprawl or the consequences of the lost memory pill? <laughs> so this is definitely a story that has not been told yet. I don't think we'll ever see the ramifications of the lost memory pill because that world travels so fast. But there was a point where originally the beginning of season three was them going back into the sprawl and it had shifted. I mean, thousands of years had passed and we even recorded the intro for it. Yeah, um, this was not the beginning of season three because I, I listened to this. This this was recorded and edited out. This was after Shia LaBeouf. Oh, After okay. Shia LaBeouf is when you all took Megan and went back to the sprawl. And then it was this. Yes. I remember recording it. I don't remember why it happened. Yeah, so <laughs> they they go through the portal. They come out and it is uh, almost like pyramids and um like giant temples and inside of these giant temples where they come out of the portal are enormous statues of their characters <laughs> from from the sprawl <laughs> and that because they had left that memory pill behind someone had taken it and learned their whole history and knew that they were like trying to save worlds and they knew that their world was going to shit. So they became essentially like gods in this world. And that people, it was like that moment at the end of um, uh, evil dead Two, where, <laughs> yeah. where he lands and everybody's just like bowing before them. Um, so yeah, that was going to be the reveal of the sprawl. Um, it, it had changed to apocalypse world, which we hadn't mm -hmm. done yet. And ultimately, we scrapped that because there was a lot of uh, things in Apocalypse World that we also didn't want to play with. There's all of like the the sex mechanics and um, the different kinds of bond, and it was like that's just not something we wanted to to deal with. But we also didn't want to like cut it because a big part of our stuff is like, hey, here's how you play this game. Um, so ultimately, it did, the whole thing just kind of got scrapped, and luckily we had enough leeway um, in front of us to to do that. Um, I something that I'm curious about. I I don't know if you can answer this. When they went to the sprawl, they had the choice to go after one of two things, and they decided to go after the plot thread that they went down, which yeah. which resulted in Megan's salt shaker. What would they have gotten if they had done the other heist? The numbers for the three dimensions. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The one yep. one place was a uh, a physical item. The other place was data. Sorry, fools. Made the wrong choice. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it worked out because then, you know, <laughs> Megan might not have been, been here. I might not have been here. So, right. and, we, and, you got the, and you got the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tass would have long since died and this would have just been my show. <laughs> would have been your show. <laughs> and yep. it would have been, it would have been over seasons. Yeah, maybe. it would have been <laughs> efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how did the voiceovers work? The most immediate example was the mimics using Jake's voice. So usually that is 
a post recording thing. Like Jake will will have the like with the mimics. Jake would have the conversation, and I would speak back to him, and then later he would record what I said. Um, but there was one instance in particular where I just kept throwing him what I was gonna say, and he would just do both sets of lines. Um, but usually for effect, it's me saying it so that everyone at the table gets the sense of like the the conversation. Yeah, I, I think like because I, I forget the circumstances, but I do vividly remember like Rev, you saying a line and then there being a beat and then Jake just immediately saying it like yeah. in, in repeat after you. So I that you had that. Why? But yeah, I can only remember that once doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 post. Uh, I think Rev had previously said he expected Coin to run about five seasons. Is that still your best guess? Will you warn us when it's the final season? I will warn you when it's the final season. Because, yeah, I did absolutely think it was five. And then some things in the story changed. My assumption is is six. But I'll when we start the final season, I will definitely let everyone know. Is there anything from previous seasons that you miss or that you wish you could explore more? Uh, I have one. And this is because I am I am continuously fascinated by like the concept of like alternate universes or like how would things be different if like X thing had happened instead of Y. Um, I wasn't around when this happened and it, it wouldn't make sense. But I am so fascinated by what a cracked mirror version of my character would be. And the short answer is that she wouldn't exist because I am the product of a universe where Nash's ritual happened and happened successfully. And that was not the arc that Cracked Mirror was on. <laughs> uh, but if there was some way that it could have happened, I would have been interested to see like what was the like dark version of Kim. Yeah. I just, I just really liked Cracked Mirror as a concept. It was a very cool world. It was. Um, I miss when I thought this was just a day job. <laughs> it wasn't the end of the world there was no pressure i was no, the professional <laughs> i was i was just a simple professional causing lots of work for people fixing ceilings <laughs> um i really haven't gotten a chance to explore elnor very much i haven't really gotten to like tour it or anything and that would be really cool also i keep missing opportunities to go to the feywild and i just <laughs> i just really want to go it's so true i'm so sorry <laughs> um I, i've said this before i miss the move spout lore i just i love that move so much i love the players generating the information and then also possibly them learning something bad that for me wasn't the case and now is universally. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I want to go see more of the dungeon world planet. Like yeah. there was so much going on there and so much that was just being created as we went. And it was really cool. Yeah. I'm still so curious about like what Jake was up to for like the month that he was in Fanarin. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to imagine that I was like in, in the recesses of my brain is a lot of knowledge about Fanarin and like at some point, like it'll be like, why didn't you tell us that? I don't know. It didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time when Jake was king of that small province for three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll be able to play something in somewhere that like has a move where I can just like recollect or spit out bullshit and justify why I know it. And it just pulls yeah. from those 30 days exclusively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What has been your favorite move from any playbook you or another castmate has played? Or what has been your favorite playbook? 
Uh, my favorite playbook, is, I think, is still The Initiate that I've got to play during End of Days. Um, it's just, it's got such a cool flavor and it's got a lot of cool moves. So one of my favorite moves was Prophecies where you could roll early, get some hold and spin them to just like have a thing you needed or to be where you needed to be or whatever, like at the drop of a hat later in the mystery. I'd really enjoyed Jinx. Like, I just think it's such a fun move to be able to like create coincidences and determine like how exactly is this going to happen to get the result that I want that could almost be accidental. It's very fun. Yeah, I, I, I like the way that you and Rev have flavored Jinx in terms of it's like you kind of very subtly using your telekinesis to kind of influence events the way that you would like them to. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Um, favorite move. I mean, it's hard to argue against the usefulness of Angel Wings, especially now yeah. that we don't have it anymore. God, yeah. <laughs> Imagine how much less stress Jake would have if... I had fully either understood or implemented the idea in season one that if there's no threat, <laughs> there's no role. <laughs> All of those teleport roles that you had to do that you probably didn't need to do. <laughs> but like now every time when we would like want to go to the North Pole or something, we got to like call up Everett, call Everett as opposed yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's so simple, but I feel like medic has saved us a ton. Um so it's just, it's nice to look back at the old reliables and the ones that I'm like, it doesn't matter what playbook I'm going to take, like that will still exist because it's like practical. Um, and also I'll say that because any of the flashy stuff I take, I only have for a week and then it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so like the wings were dope, turning into a dog was dope, but I just, I know I'm going to take that and not have it. Uh, I think my favorite playbook is probably still The Expert, and it might just be because I'm so attached to it from End of Days, um, because the End of Days character Everett is um, is my grandfather, and just building that character and then having the opportunity to transport him into coin when they needed a ride to Russia um, was was just really something that really meant a lot to me. Uh, my also my other favorite playbook was uh, the Ambassador of Joy that Tass wrote for me. Yeah, <laughs> those were all pretty great because that was amazing. And specifically the special move that um, lets my sister call me with some nonsense whenever I use luck. <laughs> <laughs> that one made me laugh. I'll be honest. Um, that that reminds me, Tass. I I have a a proposition for you related to my playbook that you made for me that I, we need to talk about later. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, what was Florida Man up to in the far-flung future? Chaos. This question got asked twice. Yeah. People are dying to know about Florida Man. He was with Baba Yaga. <gasps> oh, what? shit! No! no! Like, you kind of learned that he was a, in some way, weirdly connected to the, the earth and nature. Um, and so when Baba Yaga kind of put up her walls and said, you know, Nash and all of your stuff, you stay the fuck out of here. She gathered up some other folks that were more connected to the earth and the land and and uh, Florida man was one of them. Fuck. What? I'm let's, so pissed. Let's, go, that we yeah. let's go. go back to that other question of what do we wish we would have done? That I know <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I wish we would have gone. Yeah. L- listen to me. I, I need, Rev, I need you to take this as, as some honest criticism yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. 
Hell with you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, couldn't the grandpire, Vampa, remember what worlds he used? This thought just occurred to me in episode 19. We literally have Nash working with us, but he's not very helpful in the future. Also, if time is a stream, shouldn't Vampa, grandpire, have disappeared since him protecting Megan from his former self created a future in which he never gets to be with her and never gets the incentive to prevent her death? I love these questions because I think I know some of the answers. Please. Yeah, yeah, so um, he does not remember because when he kind of first comes clean to the boys and Megan, he says the longer he's here, the less that he remembers about his future. Um, there's a very uh, cool article I read a while back about how if time travel was real, the further back you go from your starting point, the more dangerous it becomes because of that butterfly effect. Like if you only go back in time two days, there's probably not a good chance you're going to do something that stops you from existing. But if you go back a hundred years, that chance raises exponentially that you're going to do something that really fucks up the future you come back to. Um, and so he traveled a great distance. That's why he really was only initially trying to do very small things um, and just kind of stay out of the way. Shouldn't he have vanished what based off of what we know on the way the coin timelines work absolutely why hasn't he great question find out next time yeah, yeah. on that, dragon that is, ball uh, z yeah that is an answer that has yet to be learned but there is a reason why but yes he absolutely should have once he made enough changes that uh he didn't have to um save her do you think you'll ever use tj's memory pills I would I mean, love one, honestly. We've we've just talked about the apex use of the memory pills. We'll never match becoming deities in another world. Becoming yeah, becoming gods in another world. Um, Can you imagine how unhappy you both would have been arriving oh in that God. world and finding that people are like, you're here to save us. You are our gods. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. You me. both would have just turned back around to the portal. <laughs> Never mind, Megan. This I'm sure this isn't worth it. I'd have been like, no, no, no. I'll speak on your behalf. Yeah. And then I'll just be the I'll just be the voice of the gods. It'll be great. Nice, nice. You're just, <laughs> Megan's gonna do a one woman road to El Dorado narrative. Yes. <laughs> um, I I mean, with many of our single use items, we've been very stingy with them because we don't know when they're gonna be the most useful. Like we don't want to blow them. You know, like every Elder Scrolls game with all of your health yeah, options. You can tell yeah. we all play Final Fantasy because we're just hoarding back buffs in case we need them. Later. Yeah. I so I think I think it's entirely possible that we'll use one when we are confident that we're approaching an end point. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've seen it. It's not enough if you go up and go, "Oh, this is a super good use for this." That isn't. This is a perfect use for this. So we're, we're still not going to use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I will take. Uh, well, this isn't a waste of this over this is a great use of this any day. <laughs> Who is your favorite character? Either both you as a player or you in game. Oh, God. Oh, man. That's so hard because there's there there are so many amazing characters for so many different wonderful reasons. Mm -hmm. So it's 
God, it's hard to like narrow one down. I, I mean, probably Robert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert across the board. <laughs> I do love Robert so much. Yeah. I love it's just you just get an up nod from him now. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's going to be who saves everybody, who saves the universe at the end. I think right now the person that I get most excited when the team narratively brings them in is Selena. Um, I don't know. I don't know why, but I really enjoy Selena. I like playing her, and I liked her her arc in the future. Um, yeah, yeah. She's she's got a lot going on, and we got to know a lot of that very quickly in a way that was still super organic. Um, so it was like, it was very easy to feel for her and root for her fast. Yeah. And I think part of it too is also the amazing cosplay of her that Lisa yeah. did. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so like good. it cements, you know, I've talked before about how a lot of these characters in my head physically kind of fluctuate based off of just who I'm thinking about at the time. But I have such a clear picture of Selena now because that's exactly it. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, in character, Strom is my character's favorite character. Or Ori, if he's around and he has his shirt off. Um, <laughs> out of character, I mean, I, I, I'm also on Team Selena. I think she's she's so it's so easy to root for her um, and to just like want the best for Selena. Um, I also really like any scene that Megan gets to have with her grandpa. I love. Yeah. Uh, I I just love how warm that relationship is, and like he seems he seems like such a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> um, I also really like Ranger Dave in terms of like a new NPC that we met this season. Yeah, yeah. Any of the people that are just like normal people but are still ride or die will always <laughs> be in my like top top three spots like what are jeff and eddie doing i think about that yeah. a yeah. lot yeah i don't need to I know there's happy. no reason to bring them up <laughs> exactly but i'm just like man i wonder what they're up to i hope they're okay like <clears throat> the sheer horror from everybody when ranger dave came darting out of the darkness with the fake dagger and stuff. <laughs> ranger dave commits so hard in yeah, any in any situation yeah. that he's in he's like yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna like run full tilt at this giant Draugr, even though I do I only just now learned about the existence of the supernatural yeah. right this moment, and I'm still gonna try to empty my gun into just this giant beating his shotgun into it, yeah. And then like moments later, Margaret pulls him aside and is like, "Hey, do you want to wear this cloak and chase Tass and Kim around the sewers with a dagger?" And he's like, "Absolutely, yeah. I will." There's, <laughs> it's like, okay. There's something very like Forrest Gump about it, and it's like, "Why the hell did you do that so well?" Because you told me to. <laughs> and i think ranger dave also has the energy that i don't know if this is gonna make sense but ranger dave is who we all hope we would be if tomorrow we found out this stuff was real yeah <laughs> yeah it's true he's yeah he's just like well i don't understand it but it looks like it's hero time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um for me i think in character yeah like obviously my grandpa would be a favorite character um also damien since she has a crush on him um and then out of character i think rory 
because I have a crush on him. No. Um, <laughs> um, or like, you know, definitely Baba Yaga and Ori and Strom, just kind of like longtime fan favorites. But I agree, like just kind of those side side characters that maybe we just kind of like bumped into here or there. Like, like Rory is a tour guide in multiple... <laughs> The same Rory, even. <laughs> He's an immortal. Yeah. <laughs> like, how? He's like, oh, I didn't know. Just the magic started happening. I didn't age. You know who I who I loved? I was re-listening to season three recently. Raylor during that like very brief Dungeon oh, yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah. I, fucking, I fucking love Raylor. Yep. He was great. And Raylor is, and this is kind of getting off the rails, but Raylor is 100% uh, the character that I then ended up playing in our, myself and Kim played a home game of Curse of Strahd with uh, with some people from the Discord, and Raylor was the spinning off point for uh, <gasps> for him. Awesome. Nice, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I lo- I loved that guy. Yeah, <laughs> Raylor is he's another one of those people. He's like, sure, why the hell not? You know what <laughs> it is? Go. I love it when people are passionate about the things they love. Yeah, and yeah. all these characters, like Rory's, like I'm gonna be the best fucking tour guide you've ever seen. Raylor's like, <laughs> let me tell you about all these creatures that I found, <laughs> like. <laughs> Ranger Dave is like, I'm gonna protect my forest with like everything I have. <laughs> I love that. I love that energy. I I just love that line because now I'm looking at Ranger Dave and thinking like his long term playbook shifts. He's eventually just gonna be Swamp Thing, <laughs> or like Smokey the Bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the monstrous Smokey the Bear. Ranger Dave might be the initiate. <laughs> yeah, oh, and he like oh. works for. Yeah. he works unknowingly works for Baba Yaga and her cult of those who protect the earth. Oh, nice. fuck. Fuck yeah. Um, Spinoff. Out out of character, one of my favorites is Harrison, the I-Man. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's like one of the few, maybe only, I'm trying to remember, people who we turned to our side just because we like out, we offered him a better deal. Like we out leveraged him. Like he's yeah. not a good guy and he's not our yeah. friend. He's just Mm-mm. was an ally because it made more sense to be an ally and now he's fucking gone. Like he's out there somewhere, but we don't know what he's doing. He's probably serving his own means. That was very got- stressful for me to like, like as we were like, well, we've got to trust him because this is the only option we have right now. And just never knowing if that was a good idea or not was so stressful and really, really cool to like start playing this game. <laughs> That's another like tool in our toolbox that we're kind of like hoarding and never using that I think about <laughs> all the paper. time. It's like being able yeah. to talk to Harrison again. <laughs> well, like, we, summon Harrison. I don't remember if any of that ever came up on mic. I feel like it didn't, but we thought about that a couple of times spitballing in the future for like ways to get information, but we're like, we have no way to know like where his allegiances lie by yeah. now or where he's yeah. at. So it's really dangerous to write a letter that's like, hey, you up when... Yeah. <laughs> was, he, was he found out? If so, is he dead? Yeah. Love the current lineup. And I think the five of you have great chemistry together. That being said, how is Tej doing since he left? And any chance of him joining you for a bonus episode or a guest appearance as an alt Tej? Oh, alt Tej. Uh, he's he's doing good. Like he's he's out. He's working. He's getting lots of stuff done. Um, he actually recently has been joining us for our uh, some of our Twitch streams as yeah. we play Grounded and a few other things. Um, and every time we do, there's someone in chat who goes, "Is that TJ?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you could definitely hear his voice if you join us for uh, some of our Wednesday streams and some of the Mondays. Not very many of those though. Yeah. Um, but he's doing good. 
Yeah, and we have talked about, it's never come to fruition yet, but we have talked about bringing him back for the infamous Hero Salad 69. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned TJ, does his grandpa know that he's a famous interdimensional traveler? Yes. I think we saw the scene once of the team telling Grandpa Tincher what became of TJ, what he had done, and it didn't make sense to me for us to redo that scene. So yes, he absolutely knows, but I think he learned it from like Rev and Anastasia, all the people that he was working with since he arrived back in the present. Um, but there's, I feel like in the story, there's only so many times that we can force Jake or Tass to have to relive that just so someone else knows it on mic. Yeah. Um, because it's a it's a hard conversation, and so I was like, "This we've had this beat." So he learned he does, but yes, he does know it. But he learned it, you know, from the other NPCs when they were all working together on the uh, on the portal. Yeah, fun fact about the monster of the week system: uh, emotional damage does not heal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you get ready for an RPG session where you're playing a character nothing like you? Do you listen to certain music? Use certain dice, etc. Um, I certainly use a different set of dice for every single character I play. Yeah, same. Like, uh, if they don't feel like the character, those are not the dice I'm using for that character. Exactly. Yeah, I have different dice for coin than I do Perilous Tides, for sure. Um, but beyond that, yeah, no, I don't do anything in particular. A switch flips, and I get into character for that character. Um, something about it, for me, is definitely vocal. Uh, it, yeah. You know, like, what, what do they sound like gets me into it it's sort of my reverse uh commedia dell'arte type yeah, thing 100%. you know it's like putting on a mask and then getting stuff from that when it's you know something that is primarily us just talking to each other I, the mask to start with is what do they sound like and that makes a lot of things fall into place for me yeah and kim has mentioned this before um that for me it's it's very similar to that but it's usually at like a, a physical pose that the character starts in and in Kim always says from her point of view, it's very clear when I get into Sayer because he sits a certain way. He um, like grips the table. He's very he's he's very grounded, Sayer. Yeah. Um, and so I I do try to just like with my acting, I store like the 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 voice of the character and that stuff in a, a very specific part of my body. And I know that like I do this pose and I'll find it there. If I'm playing somebody who's nothing like me, then I usually have to have a reference for who I've seen, like what character they are like, so that I have a jumping off point every time. Yeah, I have separate sets of dice that just kind of, usually they're a mix and match of like two different aspects of that character. So it's never like two dice from the same set. So that I kind of like have things in in my head of this person's personality. But also I don't really play a lot of characters that are too drastic from myself. So... That's not something I really had to get in the mindset of. Man, I used to always get a different set of dice for every character I played. And then there were just so many of them that I didn't have <laughs> the money for dice anymore. So now I just kind of have a set of dice that rolls pretty neutral. That doesn't always fail me. And those are mostly what I use for everything. I, uh, I actually do exactly what Megan just said, too. That for all of my characters, I will always have two sets of dice and it's like when we were um playing jake's pathfinder game benari 
uh, he used a sword, but he also had this kind of blood magic. And so I had a set of dice that looked like physical, like sword attacks. And I had one that was, was blood magic. And I always get two sets of dice that kind of reflect the two things that I think that character is particularly good at. I'm so glad that you opened up this this line of discussion because I didn't want to admit it, but yeah, absolutely same. So I'll, oh, I so you're saying try to always have two sets. You're saying like yeah. two sets, so like you roll one set if you're attacking and one set if you're investigating, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. Okay, um, so that's what so I do. Like, yeah. yeah, or like oh, this character has uh, healing magic and, or time control, but they also do you know social stuff. So these blue dice are their social energy, and these gold dice are their um, their magical time control stuff. Okay, yeah. See, I usually use the same two die. It's just each die is from a different set. Mm, so uh, it'll be like, this character is like, does healing magic. So I'm going to use this white die, but they're also very much about friendship. So the other one's going to be like a rainbow die. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Uh, and then last question, Jake. <laughs> uh, I love that. So will, will Jake- I'm so glad this timed out like this. Let me do it. Will Jake no. ever return the spacesuit? Absolutely not. Thank you, everybody. Nope. That is our time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank that you for joining my, us. That is my favorite thing that has ever happened. That literally was just like a sort of like two sentence cutscene. That it's like, <laughs> yeah, sort of like off camera. Um, Jake heists the Jake Smithsonian. Jake appears yeah. out front of the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> What is our answer to this problem? Theft. Yes, that's, like, right. that's like the closest thing we've ever done to a Simpsons cutaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for our season four Q&A. We will see you next week. Well, some of you will be seeing next week at Gen Con. <gasps> Whoa. But others oh, of yeah. you will be seeing next week for the beginning of season five. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah, go through the go through the door. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Don't shit in the door. <laughs> no, I shit in the door. Uh, Who's there shitting my doorway? <laughs> hey, Troll. <laughs> it's me, your girl. <laughs> she turns and looks at him again. How much time has passed? The forbidden question yeah. of the crit show. <laughs> he smacks her. We don't ask that. We'll head back to the subterranean lair and crack the yolk in there. Um, does, I, I suppose we'll sound, take... It does sound dirty. Yeah, it's not great. Wink. Wink. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to... Let me try and say it as neutrally as possible. Crack the yolk. <laughs> Now, do you use one hand or two for that? Mm, two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two hands for maximum pleasure. <laughs> I look at Ferguson. Does dimension code mean anything to you? Oh, like the code that we live by, protect the tree of life. No, not like, like that. Like the Mountain Dew code red? <laughs> we love Mountain Dew it sparkles over the hills we go out and harvest it every morning <laughs> and then we bottle it and we ship it to your world <laughs> that's how we afford this castle it's a luxurious life you specifically Jake <laughs> have put us that's here why, that's why there's a statue of you here that's why you're royalty <laughs> 
That's why she came me, to you in the first place. Me, that's <laughs> me, Tass, and TJ. You have... traded in all those dew points and got <laughs> statues made. I got, oh, I got double XP and a statue? Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to go like hold out a hand to Kim to help her up. How you doing? This is really weird. You feel different? Yeah. Uh, and Jake, as you uh, put the effort into helping Kim up, you take the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I grab her hand, I pull her up, I smile, and I die. <laughs> just I just smile, and a corpse slumps into your arms, Kim. The strain of which gives you an which extra point drops of arms. me to the floor. <laughs> yeah, she gets up and jumps into that weird ve- ve- veiny portal. Oh. <laughs> Why? I was trying to think of uh because of the tendrils. So you went to Vaney? I did. <laughs> I will give you twenty American dollars <laughs> if you stick if you with Vaney Portal. I will go to an ATM. <laughs> right, now. right. She gets up and leaps into the portal. I've still got the other one. We'll see if it stays. <laughs> we'll see how much I want twenty dollars by the time I edit this. Exactly. <laughs> Tomorrow around three o'clock, we'll find out if I want twenty bucks. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else that you are all doing back here as the cockpit is uh, sealed up and a conversation is happening up front? Um, I think I'm... Oh, please. No, you go. Please, please. Mine's dumb. Oh, mine's less dumb, but it's not interesting. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to podcasting. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's anything you could use my help debugging or anything, uh, let me know. I'm going to step back through here real quick, uh, but I'll, I'll be back in a little bit. Yes, all right. Uh, I'm going to head back into the inn. Okay. Do you want to do anything with your friends on the other side of the... We are on the other side <laughs> of the door waiting, waiting to find out if this works. This is works. the Jake show. What part of this don't we <laughs> fucking understand? I shut the door and I take out the knob. All right, Trog, let's go on an adventure. <laughs> as long as I keep the narrative flowing, Riv can't change back to them. <laughs> He's learned my secret. Uh, uh, compelling action, compelling action, compelling action. <laughs> oh, what can I do for you? As you can see, we are in very bad shape physically. Um, I remember that you guys have a, a healing sleep. Is that something we could partake of in any way? Oh, yes, of course. You did so much for us. Of course, we're more than happy to. <laughs> it sounds so facetious, Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sure. We'll just give you our ancient magic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Oh, you've done so much, and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of repayment. <laughs> and you check in so often. <laughs> you just keep using us as a hotel. You, and dropping you already your friends store off. all your shit here. <laughs> all right, so Megan, Tass, Kim, and Selena head through the portal. Uh, let's stay with Jake. <laughs> the Jake Show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, from Jake Show Studios. <laughs> Welcome to Boss Abilities. It's just Jake's ability to stay in charge and <laughs> to boss the story around. Big whammy. I saw a TikTok the other day that was Hank Hill. He was like, I'm going to go down to the Taco Bell and get me a blast. <laughs> good Hank Hill. That was pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, if uh, she, you, you saved my life and... You know, didn't hold me accountable for the job I was stuck doing. Uh, there's a way I can help out. Then <laughs> I just like that. You didn't hold me accountable for my terrible crime. You so... let me get away with my crime, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll do whatever you say. I'll do, I'll do, I'm indebted to you. 
<laughs> I more so meant like <laughs> that you didn't blame her for being forced into that situation. <laughs> oh, you just let me get away with whatever I fucking want, so I'm, I'm down to clown. So, so, so I'll definitely take the ability to eat anything and everything that I could ever want because yeah, you'll let I me was... do fucking anything. When she was like, I'll be honest, I've been wondering about what certain things taste like. I'm like, we are starting. I know you all keep real short leashes. Yeah. <laughs> this has just been a win, 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 win for me. <laughs> I just keep failing upward. <laughs> I'm going to eat the world. I spent like, what, a few months inside a bell? Worth it. <laughs> oh, God, I can't breathe. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I have to pee. This is not good. <laughs> Thank you. Baba, I don't know anything about tea, so I just got a mishmash. Like, I don't know if any of it, like, I hope it's good. I got the expensive stuff. I, I assume expensive is better. I don't know. Thank you for this. Um, I'm going to, yeah. He, she just she just very slowly grins at you as you ramble. He put a milk oolong in there. It's really good. She said to put the, I don't know what the, ooh, I don't know. I'm, and I'm just going. I'm, I'm just going. My ooh is sometimes long. But it's awful. Oh, that is the longest ooh I've ever seen. <laughs> The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen! Wait a second! It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com. Thank you.